It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by Chris Lowe, ESPN College Football Senior Writer. He joins us on the T-Mobile Special Guest Line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Chris, good morning. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. So we couldn't help but notice uh, you're on a BYU Zoom call. And I'm curious, you're obviously working on something here. And I'm curious, is BYU a story because they're a really good team? Or are they a story because uh, about half of college football isn't playing right now? I just think they're a good story, period. I mean, think about what a weekend of August. What, they have about three or four games on their schedule? And... Um, Give them credit. Give the administration credit for putting together a schedule and just a matter of weeks. But those kids have hung in there. I mean, think about putting yourself in those kids' position at that point. You're working. You've been working all off season. You're getting ready to go to the practice field, and you've got at that point your schedule's crumbling. You only got three or four games. But and give Kalani credit, you know, for keeping that team together and continuing to work to get to this point. Granted, the schedule hasn't been killer to this point, but outside this last week against UTSA, they've been dominant you know, in their first three games. And here they are 4-0 with a chance. And clearly, I think Houston's their toughest test to date on Friday, the game on the road. But uh, this is a team that I don't think you know you would say that you're out of your mind to think they could go unbeaten this year. And that's uh, regardless of what the schedule is or isn't, that would be a pretty uh, pretty impressive accomplishment for a team that, you know, <laughs> again, didn't even have more than three games back in August. Yeah, it really is such an unusual story and a most unusual season, obviously. How much, you've already alluded to, that the schedule hasn't been world beaters, we understand that, but how much does Houston this week, followed in a few weeks by Boise State, and then at the conclusion of the season, San Diego State do for you? Well, it gives it gives BYU a chance against quality teams to show that the way they've looked for the most part this year is who they are. You know, Zach Wilson's had a great start. I, mean, I think the way he's been more consistent, the way he's taking care of the football, shows you know how much he's improved as a player. And clearly, there's a lot of confidence in him, the guys around him. But to go on the road and beat a Houston, to go on the road and beat a Boise State. Um, you know, and follow it up and beat San Diego State. Now, I'm not dissing Western Kentucky or Texas State because as we saw last week against UTSA, anything can happen. And I think this year, as you look around college football period, we've already seen some weirdness, and we're going to see some more weirdness because of how little time teams have had on the practice field together. Um, it's it just it's a given. So. I think to, to go on the road again, and, and if they can get it done against Houston and Boise State and beat San Diego State, those are three quality teams, and I think would give BYU certainly more, much more credibility. You know, if they do go unbeaten, you know, to beat teams of that stature. So that would put BYU at ten and zero, assuming all the games get played and they don't lose one to COVID, and assuming that Tom Homa doesn't add another game, which. Thomas said, you know, he's still open to it could happen. But assuming they're at 10-0 and and it's the schedule that we see in front of us now, a lot of Cougar fans would like a big bowl game, a quality opponent. Do you think they have any shot at a playoff or a New Year's Six? Or 
money, power, relationships, tradition come into play, and they're on the outside looking in? Uh, New Year's six, possibly. No way with the playoffs. I mean, unless we just have other chaos and everybody's got three losses, you know, or, or more. Uh, the Big Ten beats up on each other. The SEC. I, I just don't see with that schedule. And again, it's, it's no. It's not this and BYU. I mean, I, and, and who knows? I mean, what if they go in and they just are just completely dominant the rest of the way and beat everybody by three or four touchdowns? You know, then they get they at least put themselves in a position to be in a conversation at that point. But I think realistically, I don't think they would have much chance of a playoff bid. But I think a New Year's Six bowl game would be realistic. And uh, I think so much of it depends, too. This year, more than ever, I think style points are going to be critical because everybody's playing, for the most part, conference-only schedules. And so, you know, once we get into to November and even on into December, I think a lot of, te- a lot of people are going to look back and say, well, how'd they look against this team or what they do against that team? So that's why, again, the three teams you just mentioned they're, they're still on BYU's schedule, the three best teams, Houston, Boise State, and San Diego, San Diego State. I think for BYU to have a chance at some of these things you asked, not only do they need to win, but they probably need to be impressive in winning. Same thought for the Pac-12. If they have a 7-0 and team, does that 7-0 and team need style points to get into the playoff? Yeah, and they, and they probably need to be – they're going to need some help. They're going to need – you know, and you're already sort of seeing this a little bit in the Big 12. You know, Oklahoma and Texas, I mean, both of those teams have looked at – I mean, they can't stop anybody. You know, and they look pretty average. You know, so if you continue to have carnage in that league, you know, Oklahoma State's unbeaten, but they've still got their toughest games coming up, then that helps the Pac-12. Um you know, I, don't, I don't see anybody in the ACC beating Clemson. I really don't. Maybe Notre Dame. But you can almost pencil Clemson in and play off one spot. Somebody in the SEC is going to get in. The champion's going to get in. You know, do two in the SEC get in? What, what, let's say, what if Georgia and Alabama play a really good game this weekend and one wins, and then they play again in the SEC championship game and the other wins? I'd, I'd have to think that both of those would be in. You know, and, and the big... Ten's going to crank it up this coming weekend. I, I still think Ohio State might be, and we're going to find out on the field, might be player for player the most talented team in college football. And they got to go out and prove that. So it's hard for me to believe that they, or certainly the Big Ten champion, doesn't get in. So that doesn't leave a lot of spots for the Pac-12. I mean, I, I think it, at the very least, it's got to be a, an unbeaten Pac-12 team that has a chance. But I think playing so few games is probably going to hurt them. So is Oklahoma State going to get beat a couple times? Because everybody else in the Big 12 has. And, you know, two losses typically, maybe this year will be different, but typically two losses knocks you out. And Oklahoma State's already the Big 12's last threat. Yeah, I, I think everybody in the Big 12 will have two losses. When it's all said and done. Now, at least one, but I think there's a good chance they'll have everybody will have at least two. And as I said a minute ago, if you have that type of carnage in the Big 12, then you know, it's hard for me to see them getting in. But what if what happens in the SEC if everybody beats up on everybody? We've already seen some crazy things happen in the SEC. Alabama's not 
certainly not what they used to be defensively. You know, Ole Miss made them look just embarrassingly bad last week. So what if they lose a couple of games? What if Georgia loses a couple more? Um, or I say a couple more. What if they lose a couple? You know, I think this year more than ever, because a lot of this happened, and so little practice time on the field together, no spring practice for most of these teams, uh, that you're going to see things happen and outcomes and results that we just didn't see coming in August. And I think we've already seen some of that. We're going to see some more of that. And I don't think anybody's going to be immune to it. And uh, if you said who's the team right now in the Power Five leagues, I think that I would go to Vegas and put the most money on that's going to be unbeaten, I'd say Clemson, just because I don't see anybody in the ACC that's on their level. But outside of Clemson, you know, I, I would be very surprised if anybody else in the Power Five leagues gets through unscathed. I was just going to ask you, you know, we know in the Pac-12 they have a lot of high-flying offenses, and the Big 12 just has not played defense, it seems like, for a number of years. But, you well, know, that Alabama defense really, right really surprised either. me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Is, is, is this a trend? Right, now either. right, I know. And and that, that Alabama thing just shocked me. Is this something that we can expect? You know, I think the game has changed one. It's faster. It's spread out. Uh, teams are using tempo better than they ever have. It's hard now for defenses to get lined up. You can't substitute and play substitution. Situational football on defense is easy as much as you used to. Uh, I think that's part of it, and I think the other part of it is that we just this it's this year. You know, I think the defenses. Uh, I've heard talk to coaches who aren't. Complete, you know, completely in agreement with me on this. But I think defense is maybe a little bit ahead this year because you just, you know, offense is a lot about timing and precision and quarterbacks working all off season with the receivers and you know being on the same page. I think that's a part of it. You know, ball security. Teams haven't tackled and hit as much this year as they have in the past. So we've seen some turnovers and some sloppy plays. I'll go back to some of the penalties we've seen. You know, just dumb penalties, pre-snap penalties. I think all that is a sort of a result of of a year unlike anything we've seen in the preseason and no spring practice. So I think it's all of the above, and it's um, you know, it's just again, the, 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 it's changed, and you, you're, you're going to see that. You're going to see a team like Ole Miss. And let's let's give Wayne Kiffin some credit. The guy is phenomenal when it comes to calling plays and getting offense ready. And, if he thinks outside the box, you know, but for, for Ole Miss to put up that many points and that many yards on a defense like Alabama that's recruited as well as they've recruited over the years tells you how much the game has changed over the last few years. So one thing that's changed this year, the shoe's really on the other foot with conference schedules. A Pac-12 team that usually plays nine is only going to play seven. An SEC school that usually plays eight is playing ten. You know, the two leagues that play eight conference games, the ACC and the SEC, they get into the tournament every year. The leagues that play nine, the Big Ten and the Big 12 and the Pac-12, they're the leagues who usually take a hit and have somebody left out. And the, and the Big Ten's fortunes changed when they went from eight to nine games. So are we going to see in the long run the ACC and the SEC think, 
hey, there's plenty more conference games. This really works. And their TV partners are going to say, hey, this really works. We're getting good ratings with these games. Or are they going to go back to gaming the system and playing eight conference games? Well, I mean, some, some, there are some advocates for playing more league games in the SEC. Nick Saban, for several years, yep. has said we ought to play at least nine. Now, skeptics say, well, of course you would say that. He's got the best team. But he's advocated for that for a while. Um, I think most of your mid-tier teams in the SEC don't want to do that because they think it would hurt them as far as being eligible for a bowl game. If they went to nine games, you know, the biggest problem with some of the Pac-12 teams is you've seen some really good teams over the last few years. Uh, take Oregon last year. Oregon was a good football team. They went to Pac-12. But you know what killed them is they lost that first game to Auburn. You know, a, a, a neutral site game, and Auburn ended up being okay last year, but they weren't in the SEC championship game. I think it's those kind of losses out of conference that the committee, the playoff committee, looks at and fairly or unfairly holds against the Pac-12. But um, I'd like to see, personally, you asked me my opinion, I'd like to see all the leagues play more league games. I don't think it's representative It's representative enough in the SEC that they only play eight games. And you have schools, heavyweights like a Georgia and Alabama, that don't play very often. And I'd like to see Georgia and Alabama play, if not every year, every couple of years. And you go long stretches in the SEC because of the scheduling format where teams like that don't play a lot. Yeah, absolutely agreed on that one. You know, there's talk about the colleges, and obviously we'll just deal with football since this is what we have you with right now, that they'll be granted, the players, the athletes will be granted a one-time transfer situation here in time for the 2021 season we already see transfers being such a big deal Uh, going forward what type of impact do you think the one free get out of jail transfer card will have what effect it'll have on college football uh first of all i would say that with the way we've seen players voices heard more so than ever in college sports it's more just a move in that area, and I, and I think probably in theory it's good. I mean, if a kid has a situation at a school, you know, it's just not working out or it's it's not what works for him or, or he's unhappy or needs to get back closer to home, then I think kids should be able to transfer, you know. And, you know, coaches come and go, and I understand they're employees, but they come and go, and they're also, you know, vulnerable and that they could get fired too. But I also think the other side of this is, does it become a little bit of a version of free agency? You know, we're going to see kids that, you know, if your moves say, if, if the kids move from corner to free safety, for instance, he says, you know what? I'm not a safety. I'm a cornerback. I'm going to go somewhere else where I can be a cornerback. Is that a reason for a kid to be able to transfer without having to sit out of here? Or if he gets mad at his position coach because he thinks his position coach is coaching him too hard. And I'm not talking about abusing him or bullying him and that kind of stuff. That's There's no place for any of that in any, in any sport. But does it give a kid an out just because there's something he doesn't like? You know, is there something that is happening within the team that he feels like is not best for him? You know, so I'm going to pick up my ball and move a place somewhere else. I mean, I, that's the part that I'm a little skeptical about, but you guys know this. Anytime you change rules, 
And there can be four or five things that you look at, like kids having the flexibility to transfer something that's legitimately not right, that you say, this is, this is good. These three or four things are really good. But there's always that unintended consequence that maybe we don't think about or we, we don't fully wrap our hands around that two or three years down the road, you say, wait a minute now. Well, we really have opened Pandora's box here. He's Chris Lowe. You can read him at ESPN.com, college football senior writer. Chris, we appreciate a few minutes talking college football. Thanks for coming on with us. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me.